Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it through 272 games of the NFL season in 2023. It is now 2024, and we have now eliminated most of the teams in the league. 18 of them are gone, and only 14 remain for Super Wild Sunday Card Weekend this weekend. As we go forward, we will find out in less in about exactly one month, actually, who will be champion in Vegas, baby, on that beautiful Sunday in February. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C. Matt Silver, and our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracone, here with you. We are excited. It is the playoffs. Matt, I want to say that the playoffs is the most important thing right now in the NFL, but this has been the wildest week of coaching changes and coaching carousels including not just the NFL's greatest coach of all time, but college's greatest coach of all time as well, all leaving. So this is kind of a weird show for me to do because I just, I'm in an emotional roller coaster right now. I'm going to be honest with Michigan winning on Monday and Belichick leaving today. I don't know where to go. I was going to say, can you remember all the way back, Long time ago on Monday when Michigan won the national championship, you were on top of the world. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't life couldn't have been better. And then uh, all of all of the crap is hit the fan this week for for everywhere. The news has been popping off. Everybody's got to have your alerts on. Shefty and everybody else this week. It's been a whirlwind. It, it has uh, coaching carousel. In addition to Ron Rivera and Arthur Smith, and uh, you know who got fired as well. Uh, Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is gone. Our king, Mike Vrabel. Pete Carroll is out as the Seattle head coach, which is unbelievable. But Bill Belichick is now officially, after 24 seasons, out as Patriots head coach and is going somewhere, as we have heard from the from the press conference this afternoon. So what do you react? Like, what is your initial thought about all this because we lost three of our favorite, well, two of your favorites and one of my favorite coaches here in a matter of like 18, 24 hours. Yeah, I think the writing was on the wall for Belichick. I think it's going to get really weird for him is when first time seeing him when he gets introduced for his new team, which again, they said they made it very clear at the presser. Mike Rabel came out of the clouds to me. I, I really, that yeah. one hit me, hit me straight out of left field. I didn't see that coming at all. And then Pete Carroll a little bit too. I, I, you know, it's always kind of felt like it's been Pete Carroll's time coming up, but again, he was apparently by his press conference pushed out a little bit as the head coach. He said he mm. wanted to stay and fight for the head coaching job, but they, uh, they were just trying to move him upstairs into the advisor role. I think he said he's thinking about that, but I, I think he's going to go coach somewhere else. We throw out the idea. He might be heading back to college, maybe to, to, to mm. rile up the boys and go for a, a couple conference championships. Maybe that would be wild. Uh, get him out to Washington state. Get him on the Cougs, you know. Mike Leach, former post spot there for him. And Pete Carroll can take that spot over, maybe, as they transition to a new conference. But, uh, man, I'll just say for Patriot Nation, man, it's the day the music died. It just is. Like, we knew the Ming Dynasty was on its last legs, and the Jets killed it. And, yeah, I, that's what's brutal. And I know Lewis was smiling. He called me, was smiling from ear to ear on Sunday. But, man, it's like 
2023 was the year Danny left Neverland, man. I mean, he's he's gone. Like childhood Danny's life is over. Like as I approach 30, my life is over. So that's that's how I feel about the whole situation. It is crazy. Lewis, I know you are ecstatic about the news. I uh I can't stop smiling. Um but Danny, I will say this as a Jets fan. At least you had it. You can't yeah, be true. upset that it's gone. At least you had it, okay? I've been suffering in misery for only the Lord knows how long, all right? So be happy. You got your Patriot shirt on. Just be happy that I, I understand Belichick's gone. Uh, and that's another conversation to have if Brady made Belichick or Belichick made Brady. But anyway, uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it while you had it, all right? And now, who knows who you're going to get. I I hope you don't do like we do, Matt, whoever Matt's a fan of this year, uh, <laughs> where it's a it's a 20-year span of just changing coaches and quarterbacks and just, just right. I, I hope that doesn't happen to you. I hope it doesn't happen to you. I, there's part of me that does, I honor the fact that the Jets are the laughing stock of the league. That's okay. I take it with a lump of salt. It's all right. All right. But I hope that doesn't happen to you. In all honesty, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's it, it listen, it is what it is. Like I wouldn't apologize either either for anything. So it, it's, it's gonna be an interesting run. He's, He's gone. gone. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh it was weird. And it's gonna be super weird as we go along. So I'll ask you both. Be patient with me because I've never been here before. Um, so, uh, but as we go along, we'll talk more about the coaches next week because we'll have less games. We've got six games to do, Matt. But before we do, I have a little piece of paper here for our yearly report cards. See how many demerits we got this year. I know I got way too many, and uh, which is part of the course for me from high school. And then, but you had an excellent, excellent year this year, and now you get to see the kind of breakdown of your report card. Are you ready? Professor Danny coming through with the report card, coming, coming through with homework right before, right before the fun part of wild card weekend is coming through. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is how you did. So I'm going to open this bad boy up. Uh, I am going to, I also have the, I forgot I have the mind melds and the head to heads on here too. Oh, so boy. I'll put, I'll put those, remind me to do those at the end. I'm going to start. I'm going to see how well you know yourself. Okay. So Matt went, 47, 41, and 6 this year. That is good for 53.4%. Excellent job, my friend. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Barry the lead that the money on parlay got back to even last oh week. Oh, my I mean, All this stuff has got happened, but, I mean, just nailed a plus 700 parlay last week. And just to get right back flush. So that was really Barry the lead of the show. But. I am so sorry. I buried the lead because there were so many leads. Mike Brabel has gone, and he left us a good little gift under the tree, didn't he? I mean, that was great. I mean, beautiful. What a what a party gift! If I if I said I was going to meet my old buddy again, and, and man, what a what a time! Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was a great time. It was a great hey, time. Hey, Up point four and, units and six pushes. Let's give them a little six respect. pushes. Don't six don't forget pushes. the pushes. Let's, yeah, come don't on. Don't forget the pushes. Speaking of pushes, uh, Lou nine fifteen and one as as we end the year. Uh, obviously not great, but you always have 2021 with 16 and two run uh, in that season. So, but something like me to look back on. I'm going to use that for the rest of my life. So <laughs> for the rest of your life, you went 16 and two in one season. It's incredible. Uh, and then I went 39, 15 and five. Another two and three week for me. It was totally brutal. But the end of the weather, 13 and five. Not too shabby with the end of the weather uh, this season. Okay, Matt, 
We are going to start with your top three most bet teams. Can you please provide me? Now, I'm going to say this. You had a four-way tie for third place, so you don't have to guess all three. But if you give me three of the six, I guess you would say, I'll, I'll give you the correct answer. So go ahead. I know you know who number one is. I was going to say, so Houston, we already let, you know, spoiled that one last week. Correct. Houston for sure. Pittsburgh, are they one of the three tied for third? They are not. You got one more guess. Oh, I only get one more guess. Yeah, I got to give I got I got We got a show. I know. I'm sorry. I got to uh, Buccaneers. Buccaneers. Bucks were uh, tied for third. Yes. Okay. So uh, Houston, 10 bets on Houston. You went six, three, and one with CJ Stroud. Incredible. Number two, the New York Giants. The oh, New yeah. York I meant to say that. You were 5 1 and 1 with the New York Giants. Very wow. good. Uh, they happen to be, I'll spoil it for you. They also happen to be your most profitable. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, and then a three way, a four way tie for third place Tampa Bay with at two and three. The Titans, of course, at two and three. Um, the Bears at 3 1 and 1. And the Falcons? Minnesota Vikings. Ew. Minnesota Vikings at two, two, and one this year. You bet five times. You like to keep to your, you know, you like to keep to that, like your teams, you know. You have a lot of teams that you, a lot, there's a very few teams you have that many bets on. So it's, you, you are like very consistent. So mm. I would say. Uh, for me, I'll just go with me really quick. My number Tampa, one team, Tampa Bay. <laughs> close. Actually, you know what's crazy? Tampa Bay. Did not make my top three. I thought I would. I felt like you said fire the cans every week. I feel like I did too. They, I bet on them six times. But my number one team, absolutely brutal, New England Patriots. Oh. Bet on them eight times and went one and seven. <laughs> what a one loser. and seven. What a loser. What a loser. Oh my god! You think you're having a hard time gripping reality. It's, I, it's, I right. it's, okay. it's okay. If there's a year for me to, to do that, because I, I did, did that before, and that was this was the one to screw up. I mean, don't yeah. screw up. Yeah, it'll be next year, too. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sure. Carry Number on. two, you want to give me just a guess on two and three. Go ahead. I feel like you liked Indianapolis a lot. No. Only two times I've been on Indianapolis. Give you one more guess. Mm, Philly. No. Three times. I bet on... The Los Angeles Rams. Oh, yes. Seven, seven times and went six and one. So Sean McVay was very good. Most profitable team for me. And the Cincinnati Bengals. I've been on six times and went three, two, and one. Very strange. I didn't feel like I did the Bengals that much, but I think Jake Browning, I was on that big run. You were in the Jake Browning area. Yeah. I was on that big run with Jake Browning. I forgot about that. Okay. How about uh, the team that you had the best winning percentage? You would have had to bet at least twice on this team. Team that you had the best winning percentage. You went undefeated with this lone team. Packers? No. Yeah. Give you one more guess. Dallas. You know what? That's incorrect as well. I will tell you that this is very on brand for you. The Atlanta Falcons. See, I thought two, they burned two you. 2-0. Oh. Oh. You huh? went 2-0 oh with the Falcons. Incredible. 
Incredible. How about the yeah, we mentioned your most profitable team, the Giants. How about the three teams that you did not bet on this year? Okay. Three teams. You bet on 29 football teams. Give me the three that you did. New Orleans. Correct. Right. No, I did bet. I, I bet on the Patriots one time. I know you I did, did. You did. You don't want to know. Did the Jets this year? I definitely took the Jets in a couple it. spots. Yeah. Yeah. Jaguars? Incorrect. One more guess. The Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, lot of, lot of. That's hilarious. Uh, oh, the, the Raiders? No, you did bet on the Raiders uh, oh. twice, actually. Um, Seattle? Really? I almost said them. I thought I took them on one spot. And the Miami Dolphins? You did not wow. take one swing on the Miami really? Dolphins. Yeah. Because their spreads were always so ugly. They were ugly. They're absolutely ugly. Uh, can you guess my best winning percentage team this year? The Rams? The Cleveland Browns. Oh, Three, you're undefeated team. Okay. 3-0. and 3 and The Rams were my most profitable. Right, uh, right. Cleveland Browns, 3-0 and this year on the Cleveland Browns. I did not bet on one team. 31 teams I took. One team I did not. I'll give you both one guess. I know it's not the Jets. It's not the Jets. I took them like four times, actually. Idiot. Yeah, I went one and three. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, they were not, a not, a, not a playoff team. Can we get AFC a or NFC? Can we get a conference? Yeah. A AFC. Huh. The Ravens? No, you took the Ravens against the Lions. Lou, you got a guess? No, I was going to say the Bengals at first, but that doesn't make sense. No, yeah. I bet the Bengals a lot. The I know Jacksonville Jaguars was my guess. Really? That was one of my guesses. Yeah. You didn't take the Jags once? Not one time. I just did not like them. And I bet them to win the division. I was like, what the heck? You know? Yeah. Uh, quickly, we'll go over this one. The team you bet against the most, Matt. There are two teams. You had a tie for first place. You bet against both these teams seven times. Indianapolis? No. <laughs> Shoot. Pittsburgh? Mm, nope. Panthers? E the Eagles? Uh, no, Eagles were close. Eagles, you've been on six, been against six times. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, been against them a lot. Ended up going um, five one and one against the Bengals. I think there was an early, there's an early season that I was riding betting against them. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, and the Jaguars. Yes. Okay. Bet against the Jaguars went three and four. Mine, I'll just give them to you quickly. I was also not only did I bet a ton on the Bengals, but I also bet against them a bunch. <laughs> So the Bengals were involved in like every game from every week, every week, <laughs> every week. I was on the Bengals. Uh, I went um, five and two uh, against the Bengals, and I bet a lot against my wife's team. Do not tell her the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. I bet so much against them. Three, three, and one against the against the Eagles this season. Um, you want to take a guess on the three teams that you did not bet against this year? So these are teams that you bet with a lot, but you did not bet against. Them. San Fran? Incorrect. You did not no, bet against Dallas them. Dallas. Yeah, you did not, did not bet, bet against them. Oh, crap. You said, you said I bet with them. You bet with them lot. plenty. So, oh, I never picked I never picked against Houston. No, you never did. No. How could you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare I if I ever did? Uh, crap. Was it? No. The Giants? the Giants? The Giants, yeah. The Giants. We never, never bet against, against the Giants. Giants. The last team, I'm going to give you one guess because it is in your wheelhouse. It's not the Broncos. The, ba the Bears. 
the Bears, the Bears. I, know, I would never, I would never, <laughs> yeah. never do my guy dirty. I got my guys, CJ and Justin Fields, my guys. Yes. Uh, I bet against uh, 28 teams. The four teams I didn't bet against, uh, I also didn't bet against the Giants, not once, which is very surprising for me. I never bet against these, these two teams. These two teams, I have no, I did bet against Patriots, Colts in Germany. That was the one time I did. Yeah. Uh, That's right. These two teams were like right in my wheelhouse all year that I always kept betting them, kept betting them. You know. Bengals. You didn't no. have time yet. Oh, no, you no, just didn't I have a shoot. No, I bet the, against the Bengals a ton. The two teams, there were two teams here that I bet every week. Bet on every week. The Rams. Rams, yeah. And what do I yell I, every week? I fire the cannons. Buccaneers. Fire the cannons, Buccaneers. Last one. This one's for you, Maddie. Denver Broncos. Never been. You in, know. in some ways, in some ways, I was more of a fan of them than, than you were. Hey, we had that special little run in the middle of the season where we were having five turnovers a game, we're playing go games. Uh, Playoff. Playoffs. Playoffs. Let's be re- let's be realistic. That was ten and seven. Looking. Lou, uh, <laughs> Lou, I'll give you I'll give you two guesses on the teams you bet on the most this season. I bet on the most. Mm-hmm. The Niners. Niners were one of them. Yeah. I'll give you one more guess. I knew. I thought those were the two. Um, you're other, you're other Super Bowl team. The Ravens. No. Not, not the Ravens, no. Man, I'll let I you know. I can't wait Stanford. to see them play in the Super Bowl. Uh, San Francisco and just one more guess. Go ahead. Ah, dude, I have no idea. Houston. Correct. So we have pulled oh! out. Yeah. Houston. One, one, and one with Houston. One and two with the Niners. I'm not as dumb as I look. Go on. No, no. no. <laughs> and, uh, and then the two teams that you bet against the most, Indianapolis. Yep. And the Chargers. You were yeah, yeah, I could have told you that one. There was a yeah, we knew that one. Yeah, shock <laughs> therapy. He was betting yeah. it until Staley was fired every week. <laughs> shock therapy. Until Staley was gone, it was like oh, yeah, that, the narrative. This is the narrative. <laughs> Auto bet. <laughs> That's true. It's so yeah. true. Lou, you bet on seventeen teams. You bet against sixteen teams. Matt, uh, let's go with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Two and two in the head-to-head for yourself. There you go. Not you good went, for me. You went Thanks two and that. two this year? Seven, we two, two and pushes. two. I can remember Atlanta and oh, Houston. Oh, seven, two, was, two. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Atlanta and Houston was a god-awful push. And then, and then Cincinnati, Minnesota. Yes, I was going to say, another. it was that awful game. That game. Saturday game. Saturday game. It was absolutely brutal. Uh, my melds were brutal. Uh, I'm just counting up now because no it was way. so many. Nine mills were horrible. There was a stretch where we went like we went um, five one and one at the end of the year, but we were so bad. And I just I I forgot to count it before we did this. So four, six, oh my gosh, uh, 10, 13, 15. And then we had two, three, four. We're going to edit this anyway. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten. 15 and 2 on the minus. That's, that's not great. That's not we, we got to be better. We got to be better on that, man. It's not good. So there's your report card 2023. I hope I, I passed. Well, you know, you did pass because you were a winner. Uh, how about your five year regular season record? Did you see this? Go ahead. You can tell, you can tell me. Yeah. It's good. I saw it. Yeah. Two, uh, I'm sorry, you were 225, 207, and 12. 
That's good for 52.1%. You're just over. Very good. Oh, yeah. I am 219, 213, and 11. That's 50.6%. Not great. Boo. And Lou, because of that 16 and 2 record, 37, 31, and 2. He's 54.5%. Elite. Elite. Still elite. Still elite yeah. like Joe Flacco. Excellent. <laughs> Speaking. <laughs> what a transition. Speaking of oh, Joe Flacco, you are on it, man. That was great. Let's go to it. Let's do. Super Wild Card Weekend, we have six games to let us know who is going to the, in my opinion, best weekend in, in the NFL this year, the divisional round. So let's get to it. Maddie, you were the winner over the last five years. You were the winner in the head-to-heads. You were the winner for 2023. Pick or punt. Pick or punt. Oh, I thought we are going game by game. We will. Somebody's got to pick first. Oh, I thought we were just going to present the games and then give our picks at the end. We can. Let's talk about them. Let's go. Let's chronologically. All right, let's I'm do gonna, it then. All right, I'm, I was going to say Houston so, and Cleveland. That's our first game. Houston plus Picker, two. Go for it. Pick or punt Cleveland offense or uh, Houston offense first. <laughs> <laughs> I will take the Cleveland offense first. Ooh. Uh, all right, let me lay it out for you. So Cleveland's got a brand new style of offense, Joe Flacco. I mean, it's insane that they have an air right offense now over the last five games with him. The 11 games pre-Flacco, they were averaging 35 pass attempts a game, 181 passing uh, pass, passing yards per game. Last five games, Flacco, over 40 attempts a game, 323 yards per game. They're they're rushing before the uh, before Flacco. That's uh, right. I call this BF and AF before and after Flacco. <laughs> uh, BF, they were averaging 140 yards on the ground. Since then, they're like running the ball minimally. They're getting 75 yards uh, a game on the ground. They had nine passing touchdowns with all those quarterbacks combined, BF. And Joe Flacco has got 13 passing touchdowns in wow. five games. All this to say, I I just can't see if this is sustainable for them. Like, is this just a flash in the pan? Like, we just – we've turned the world upside down. And Joe Flacco in those games played against the Rams, the Jaguars, Chicago, Houston, and the Jets. Mm-hmm. Not exactly world beaters, especially on the passing defensive side of the ball. Like I said, Chicago's better. Jets are the best team that they played, and they held him to his lowest game that he had on the year. But now they get to go on against D'Amico Ryans. Obviously, they played a couple weeks ago. I think that D'Amico Ryans will have a better chance at defending this offense, this new-look offense that they had unveiled a couple weeks prior with Joe Flacco. I don't think anybody believed they would let him throw the ball as much as they did. But I think that's pretty sticky now. That that's going to be what they're trying to do in this game. So now D'Amico Ryan's, I think, has a couple looks at this and is able to game plan for this game a little better. Uh, I looked back at the divisional games when he played their opponents for the second time. He improved on the opponents' points allowed per game in every game except for the Jaguars. They scored seven more points. They were at home in that matchup. The problem with the de- the defense of the Texans right now is they are absolutely banged up, brutalized. Their entire defensive front, Will Anderson Jr. Jonathan Grenard, Jerry Hughes, other defensive ends, all didn't practice as of Wednesday. Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins, the defensive tackles, both limited on Wednesday. I do worry about their ability. Maybe Flacco is just going to be able to throw it over all over them, but I'm not quite sure. What's your take on the, the Cleveland offense, Dan? I think it's been um, – I, I think they've put pieces together in place to have Flacco be the best. I, honestly, you know, I was never outside of – outside of the camp that that Flacco was not going to be, you know, at least serviceable as a quarterback. But when I, I look at him and I say, okay, yes, he has been 
serviceable and has made the extra play. I think he's obviously playing above his uh, above what we've seen him over the last couple of years. But I would say I know that he has had some some turnover worthy plays at a pretty high rate because I think if I read it right, he's got um, he's got eight interceptions and and he's uh, an eight turnover worthy plays, but also averaging eight yards per attempt. So he's like yeah. eight eight eight. You know, like that's it's it's very strange. So to me. He's throwing the ball down the field, which is successful, but he's also taking a lot of risk. And I think that in this scheme, like we have to take wild card games for one game at a time. Like this is a one day, one set matchup. So how do you look at it from that perspective? I think they've already played each other, but Stroud didn't play in the game. And I think that they did attack the Houston defense downfield because I thought it was vulnerable. I think the whole game comes down to Amari Cooper and Derek Stingley. I think that matchup is what I'm looking for is Derek Stingley. Is he healthy in this game? And is Cooper healthy in this game? They're both playing banged up. So that's the matchup that I want to see that could make or break the game for the Cleveland offense. I also, I have another, I I agree. I think that's the matchup everyone's keying in on. I have an X factor. Sure. There's a big X factor. Yes. David and Joku. I think Mm. David and Joku could see a, lot of tricks. he's really you know even if i don't know his approach i think that you have to try and blitz but then you then you're giving flacco one-on-ones to just do what he wants to do and chuck the ball up there um but they have to be able to get after their their the cleveland offensive line is still banged up like it has been all year we spoke about that like you know they, they're missing some guys that they started the year with um but i just don't know if they're going to get home with the guys they have in the defensive front all banged up as they are so i don't know if they want to blitz but i think uh, either way, I think zone coverage over the middle, I think that, that that's another spot that Houston's really weak is right down the seams. And I think that Njoku could do a lot of run after the catch plays and and really go over. So I'm looking at kind of like his, maybe his yards over this game um, as, as a potential. That's, play. that's definitely a play because I think Houston's idea would be to put, make him throw outside the numbers. Like that's why the Amari Cooper thing is so important. That mm-hmm. matchup, like Njoku will be important, obviously, like that could be an interesting prop. If Houston throws the box around the middle of the field and just says, okay, like you can beat us down the field on the sideline, then it's either going to be we're running the football or Amari Cooper is going to get some one-on-one opportunities. Talk to me about the Houston offense, though. So we know what the deal is here. We know what Houston wants to do here. Oh, yeah. You could talk to the cows come home about this. They're they're throwing the ball. They're throwing the ball here. We know it. Uh, Houston – Third lowest uh, yards per attempt on the ground this year, 3.7. Uh, meanwhile, fourth highest passing yards per attempt this year, 7.7 for C.J. Stroud. Um, and they're averaging 24.6 points per game with this explosive passing offs they have. Now it's taken a hit, obviously. They lost Tank Dell earlier in the year. Uh, Noah Brown also not expected to play in this game. I think that he mm. – there's a, there's a chance, but I think he's pr- pretty much ruled out. Um, and he's pretty much just down to Nico Collins now. Thank God he's he's at least healthy and has been a huge weapon for him. I saw that last week on the first play of the game, um, that he's, he means a ton. So um, the Cleveland defense is arguably the best unit in this game, the best side of the field. But they are also not 100% healthy. Right. And their home road splits are drastically different. And I want to go through that a little bit. Um, on the defensive side of all, the Cleveland, uh, they're allowing 13.9 points per game to the opponent at home, 29.6 points to the opponent on the road. It's t- 16 more points, three possessions that they're scoring more on the road. 
uh, yards per play. They were allowing 3.7 yards per play at home, five and a half yards per play on the road. Um, and I think it's very interesting. You mentioned how CJ didn't play in that first game. So they didn't get any live looks at CJ Stroud. Obviously, I think they have enough tape to know what he wants to do. Um, and I think they're going to play a lot of man coverage. We highlighted that last week, how that is CJ's weakness, how he's much better against zone than he is against man. Um, and so I think that they're going to go straight up man coverage approach. And it's just going to be up to CJ to get the ball out fast. They're not going to have a running game. Schultz has got to win in his one-on-ones. Nico Collins has got to win on his one-on-ones. And, and maybe even see Stroud get out and run the ball a little bit more. He might have to get some first downs with his legs and, and create a little bit. But there is a chance. And there's some, again, going back to the injuries for Cleveland, I didn't go through that. Um, Denzel Ward got hurt today as we record this Thursday. In practice, yeah. he re-injured his knee. So there's potential he's out. Cedric Tillman, the other cornerback, potentially out. Both of their safeties, Grant Delpit and Rodney McLeod, both limited to practice as well. And then you mentioned Mark Cooper. Um, so there's a chance that maybe they don't have the personnel to play man-to-man. Maybe he's going to do it regardless, but they might, you know, they might be playing man-to-man and not have the dogs to keep up. So that is where I think, depending on the injury report, I think CJ has a, has a big chance. If not, it is going to be up to Houston's defense to try and create stops because I, I think that Houston, there is going to be a little bit of a slog in this game for CJ. I don't think this is going to be a super easy matchup for him unless the Browns are really limited uh, in the second year. Well, I think I think you mentioned the run game. You got to remember, Houston ran four and a half yards a carry on Cleveland in that game. So you know that they played earlier, and uh, they and they actually threw the ball forty nine times. So you know they did not run the ball that much, but they were able to have success uh, down there in the run game. To me, this is about coaching. This is as much about coaching as yeah. it is about anything. This matchup, Bobby Slowick versus Jim Schwartz. That is such a great matchup because you've got this good, young, talented um, offensive coordinator that's doing a lot of cool things with C.J. Stroud versus the old guard, Jim Schwartz, who is, you know, he's the reason that the Browns uh, have elevated their defense to where it is. I think it's going to be super complicated for Stroud, but, man, Stroud looks cool, doesn't he? I mean, man, like everything you watch and you you, you look at the interviews he's done. I saw him on Pat McAfee earlier this week, and he was just – the way he presents himself, like, you can see that this guy, you've convinced me 100%, because like, I was not about it, but you can see this guy is mission and focused and based. And, you know, I think that I think that this is, he's going to, he's really going to cut his teeth and we might see something special. I, I really think that, but I keep coming back to how is Jim Schwartz going to attack him? That's what I'm so worried about for him. That's, I, I have that worry too, but I basically it is, it's been what the Texans have to do all season. For the Texans to win this game, C.J. Stroud is going to have to overcome just one of the greatest challenges he's had so far in the year and, and playing Jim Schwartz and a, and a really elite defense. But I do I think he's able to rise to the occasion? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, Houston's defense, I don't think they're going to get many stops. Unless they can find a way to get pressure on a, on a slow statue, Joe Flacco. I, I, he's throwing for 325 yards a game. Unless this bubble bursts. And I, that's the thing. I think the human nature, we don't want to believe it. We don't want to believe this is reality, but it's insane. Every game he's going out there and they're, they're throwing it like crazy. Um, I think that they have the ability to absolutely run it up on them. And I think CJ Stroud, they're going to have to keep up. I think that I literally think they're going to be keeping up in this game. So my rabbit ears up sounds like you like the Browns in this game at minus two. We don't have to pick a side in the playoffs. Okay. All right. Fair enough. What do you like in this game? 
so I do for my official pick. Yeah, I will make it the over forty-four and a half. Okay. I, again, I, I do think I think that Cleveland's going to be able to score, and then I'm just relying on CJ Stroud to be able to keep up a little bit and score some points. I see. You know, I think it's a 27-24 kind of a game. Uh, I I also. I I was I've been on top of my game with getting on the lines early again. Me and Danny used to be every Monday just checking out mm-hmm. one, like for the next week. And I did a Houston popped at plus three earlier this week, so I, I have that ticket, but I'm not like so. That's why for the show I don't want to give that out. Sure, but my favorite prop for this game, yes. Also going back, I thought about Njoku over. We're gonna go with Amari Cooper under seventy four and a half. Ooh, Derek Stingley game. I think that this is a prop that is going to be very public. People are just going to go, oh, look what happened last game. We bet it again this game. And I think that the, I think that D'Amico Ryans, if one thing he's going to do, he's going to say, well, we're clearly not going to let the guy who put up like 200 yards and two touchdowns on us a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Anybody but him. I agree with you. I think that Amari Cooper will be limited, especially with his banged up ankle now. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I agree. And, and, and to me, I think this is a moment for Stroud. He's the first quarterback – coach or rookie quarterback and rookie head coach to start a playoff game since I think Andrew Luck and Chuck Pagano did it in 2012. So it's been a long time since we've had that. Um, this is going to be a last, whoever has the ball last wins. And honestly, the more I've watched Stroud and the more I've seen his demeanor and how he acted and then how he played against the Colts in this game, man, I'm taking Houston plus two. I am. I don't even know if they win the game, but I I think it could be that razor thin. And I'm going to take Houston at home, getting the win later. I, maybe they do get the win. I, I don't know. I just think the last team to have the ball wins the game. There is an important note with it being two, and we're worried about you know key numbers of three. Dustin Hopkins, kicker for the Browns, is not playing in this game. Oh, that's big. Out. So that's scary for my over, but also pretty bad eventually for you, for especially at a two, even if you get a two and a half, yeah. easily a chance, you know, a, a a 26 to 24 game, you know, something crazy, you know, so a weird number like that. Maybe a score value possibility here in this game with some missed kicks going on. We are, they are indoors in Houston. If it was in Cleveland, it'd be a different story. But uh, again, he is out. So that is an interesting uh, nugget in this game as well. Amy Fairbairn, give him to me. Let's go. He's back. Lou is very interested in this game. He's smiling. CJ Stroud's going to win the game. Oh. I mean, oh. how good was that? How good was that drive last week? That was about, come on. I mean, you, you gotta have it. Seven to seven, seventy-five yards, Dude. right down the field. The what was it? The second and twenty, or the third and fourth and twenty? Like just with a guy in his face, just flicking the ball. That was a Nico Collins' only spot he could have it. That guys, was a nuts guys, throw, guys. Guys, bet the narrative. Who's the bigger draw? Right, the new hot shot quarterback <laughs> in Houston, or the old geezer wearing a diaper? In Cleveland, okay, it's still the Browns. If they go to Baltimore, I was gonna say, wait right there, my friend. If they win, they go to Baltimore next week. Well, maybe, maybe know that. If there's not, if there's, if there's not an upset, a Bruin in another game. Oh, you're fair enough. Fair enough. Either one of those. You're right. You're right. They're the five seed. So if Miami or Pittsburgh, hello, should win, Cleveland does not go to Baltimore. So, I was gonna say uh, what a transition, but they have a bye. So yeah, that's, okay. <laughs> great transition. Okay, Maddie likes the over. I like Houston plus two. Let's go to the nightcap, the game where it will be so cold you will not be able to open your eyelids. Kansas City, uh, Miami is at Kansas City. 
on Saturday night. I hate this game because the NFL is scummy and it has to have it on Peacock, which is super annoying. But anyway, uh, the line is Kansas City minus four and a half. The over-under is now at 43 and a half points. Maddie, talk to me about this game, offense, defense, if you had special teams. Yeah, we'll all be we'll all be signing up for our seven day free trial of Peacock just to cancel before we get charged. Hopefully, if we don't forget, um, Miami. Let's start with the Miami offense because again, that's Please. what every that's what we're wor- that's what we're worried about here. This is the the electricity of this team, and everybody that because it's zero degrees, two is not going to be able to throw the ball. Two has got tiny hands. He's every everyone I've heard this. He's Hawaiian. He played in Alabama and he played in Miami. <laughs> he can't play in the cold. I, it's just like everybody's throwing that out there. That's not the key. Tua is not the key to Miami being explosive on offense in this game. Miami is not only explosive through the air, they are also explosive on the ground, and that is exactly where you could take advantage of Kansas City this year. Mm. The Chiefs are allowing four and a half yards a carry on the ground, bottom 10 in the league. Miami, number one, rushing yards per attempt, 5.1. Kansas City also 27th in rushing DVOA this year. The Chiefs could struggle with this rush offense. They are 31st in the NFL when it comes to stuffing runs within four yards of the line of scrimmage. And Dolphins are also the best at it. So as you're seeing, the Dolphins are elite at everything as far as rushing the ball, where Moser isn't practicing this week. They're supposed to have a full full, you know, arsenal of weapons here. Waddle practicing, Moser practicing, Tron Armstead all look to be good to play in this game. They also have they also have Devon Achan, who didn't play in the first game when these two teams played in Germany back in week nine in that game uh, Miami fell behind super early they only ran the ball 19 times but they still were averaging over five and a half yards per attempt Raheem Mostert was 7.2 a carry in that game uh and again they get a chan back for this which they haven't had he is the most explosive running back in the NFL we're saying Chiefs aren't good at meeting this guy at the line of scrimmage this guy is down the field before you can even see him he is so fast yeah, his his uh, yards per touch are almost two yards more than Christian McCaffrey this year, and he mm-hmm. had 125 touches, rushes, and receptions. I think the Dolphins have the advantage on the ground in this game. I don't think I, I think that Tua is everybody's concerned about that to be able to throw, but the Chiefs are really really bad on the ground, and as soon as they bring in extra guy to load that box up, check check, let's get ten in motion and we're going to take a deep shot to him down the field. I mean, you can't bring in extra guys with the speed that Miami has on those receivers. You have to be able to bracket some of those guys off. So I think that they really have an advantage here on that side of the ball. True. I agree with you. I think the rushing game is a problem for Kansas City. I, I do think that. However, I do think Kansas City has been banged up a lot of the season on defense. And if you go back to the game that they played in Germany – this is going to be a little bit of a different strategy, I feel, than that game. We remember that Kansas City really bothered. Uh, they really bo- they kind of stayed home. They played a lot of zone defense, and and they uh, they bothered to his timing in that regard, where like when they wanted to run screens, they were all over that. Um, Miami did try to run the ball in that game, and it shortened the game, and it actually I think at the end of the day helped. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs got that big pick six in that game as well. My concern is not Tua throwing the ball. My concern is Tua throwing the ball with timing and rhythm. 
in that cold of an environment. That's going to be kind of difficult with an offense that's so reliable, uh, reliant on that, um, especially getting the ball out, getting it to Hill. Um, the ground will be hard as a rock uh, in that game. Uh, I've been in that stadium when it's been cold. It is cold. And especially with the wind going as well, uh, I think that this could be kind of interesting where Kansas City, I feel like, is is starting to get their defense healthy at the right time. And I think Spagnola is probably going to throw something very similar to it that he did in Germany. So part of me is like, I don't think the offense, it's not a good day for offense. Let's just put it that way. It's not going to be a good day for offense in my opinion. And the problem with Miami's defense is that it's an infirmary. Uh, right. If we want to talk That's about the side of the ball, they are down. Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, their top end rushers on the year. Even guys who tried to fill in for them, Andrew Van Ginkle, Cameron Good, Jerome Baker, they're all gone, all on the IR. Mm -hmm. These guys are all, in the past month, have gone on the IR. Javon Holland and Xavier Howard are both iffy to to play in this game. I think Xavier Howard is probably going to be out. Javon Holland, they're saying, has a chance. Um, And they have brought in the most hilarious cast of of, I saw this. And I'm not the first to say, I mean, this was 2017. This pass rushing unit would be this oh, is like a Pro Bowl pass rushing unit. Yeah. It's Jason Pierre Paul, Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, and Bruce Urban all coming in for the Miami God Dolphins. Bless. With these guys last week, give them a little bit of credit. They did bring some more blitzes than they had on usually on the year, which they don't do a ton. But they were able to sack Josh Allen three times and they pressured him in 44% of his dropbacks last week. With this, you know, old aging retirement home of pass rushers that we have here in Miami down where everybody goes to retire. Uh, people are also saying Xavier Howard missing this game might not be the worst in the world. He hasn't had a great season, maybe a little bit of addition by subtraction. Um, let's talk about the matchups here as far as what Kansas City, who has struggled all year. I, I know that this is a bad of defense, but they have struggled with mediocre defenses all season. This Kansas City offense has been bad. Will they have Ramsey? shadow either Kelsey or Rice and play in the slot where they primarily do. He doesn't ever play in the slot. He played only 14% of snaps in the slot this year in Ramsey. But if they have two viable pass catchers and you could take one of them away, basically with, I mean, Kelsey, I don't think you need to put your best. I think you put him on Rice, take away their best receiver. They limited him to two catches for 17 yards when they played in Germany. They limited Kelsey to three catches for 14 yards when they played both of their season lows on the year. And, again, as you said, they scored a fumble six. The Chiefs were limited to 14 points on that game. So the Miami defense, obviously, now they're missing a bunch of players. But I I think that they still have all the potential in the world to disrupt this very disruptible offense that hasn't been very good at all. Uh, But I think that means Kansas City leans on the run game as well here. I think that they have to lean on the run game against Miami. I think that maybe one of the things that this defensive line, maybe they're able to get pressure like they used to, but I'm wondering if their gap assignments and their ability to get from sideline to sideline, if they're able to get Pacheco running outside of the tackles, I think that is a big advantage for Kansas City as well, uh, being able to make them cover some more ground. Uh, I think this is a huge Jared, uh, sorry, huge Isaiah Pacheco game. Jerick McKinnon went on the IR a few weeks ago. I think they the field for 70 80% of snaps here. And again, a guy who hits like a battering ram playing in this cold, he's just going to hit a little bit extra hard in this mm-hmm. game, I think, uh, on those Miami defensive defenders what do you got you know you know to me in this matchup i think that the week off for kansas city had to help i think it had to help because not only did they have the week off but they're coming off a game in which they actually played really well on offense i know it didn't look it 
uh, the the week before in Kansas City in the first half. Or I'm sorry, against Cincinnati in the first half. But the second half, they they blew doors on Cincinnati's defense. It's seven yards a play. They had 373 total yards in that game. That was our best offensive output we've seen. So don't forget that. Like, and they were able to find. I mean, let's talk about Noah Gray and how impactful he he. I'm just gonna say this, but other. He's been the most impactful tight end on the team the last three weeks. And I don't know if you'd agree with that, but in my opinion, watching the game, Noah Gray's the guy to watch for. Not necessarily Kelsey. Kelsey's still having a great year, still really good. But Noah Gray is also, I mean, the two tight end sets and the way they move him around, like Fangio is going to have to have his ducks in a row because these older guys, I worry about Miami in the fourth quarter. That's when mm-hmm. I worry about them. Yep. The cold weather, it's going to be minus 7 degrees. Minus 7. We're going to have wind chills of minus 30 in this game. Like, it is gross. Nobody wants to do that. And those older players, those older bones, those injured players for Miami, that is my concern with them on defense. I do think that Andy Reid can move some pieces around. I do think he has a I think that. I think that in some ways he does have kind of an advantage here with Miami's just broken down defense. So, I don't know. Uh, This is a hard game for me, I will be honest with you, especially with this number being four and a half. It's a tough number to take. Yeah, it feels like Miami's offense is limited by potentially just the weather, you know, the the, the environment that they're in. Yeah. Kansas City's offense has been a problem, but there's no reason they shouldn't be able to be able to score on this Dolphins defense. But you have to believe that they're just not going to look like kind of like what they've done all year, which has been a disappointment. So um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, are you leaning a certain way or do you have something else in this game? My play, I lean Miami plus four and a half because I think that the I think the line has gone too far. I think this is going to be a low scoring game. I also lean under. But my play, my prop play for this one is Isaiah Pacheco over 88 and a half rushing and Ooh. receiving yards. Rushing oh, and I like receiving. That. I like that. Because I do think that he gets involved in the screen game a lot here. I think that the Andy Reid screen game is going to come out to play. Again, talk about getting these defenders having to run out and some of these linebackers having to chase this guy to the sidelines. I think that, that he gets a couple, maybe just breaks a nice big one. Uh, like I said, and, and and also if they're up in the fourth quarter, you know they're going to run him straight down their throats. So uh, give me Pacheco over eight eight and a half rushing receiving yards. I love it. I love it. Um. I'm going to take Kansas City minus four and a half. I don't, I don't love it. It's my lean, but I feel like I feel like a lot of people are betting it up. And you know, the more I watch that game and the more I look at it, I'm like, man, like there's either going to be Miami's either going to win this game or this is going to be a runaway. That's the way I see it. Like I, I could just see again. I go to the fourth quarter and I say. How do these older guys on defense hold up? And, I mean, I just think Kansas City's defense is built for this. My final power ratings of the season, I had Kansas City's defense rated number one in defense, just statistically. I just think they're that good. I think Nick Bolton being back has given them such a shot in the arm. Sneed on the outside played excellent against Hill the first time they played him. I, I like Kansas City's defense to get it done for them in this game. Very interesting matchup. I like I, that one again. Get your piece, get your peacock uh, seven day free trials. Seriously, line, line them up. 
Seriously though, Lewis, Lewis, you you have you have a thought I can see. The Prince of Darkness against his old receiver. You know who we're taking. Oh, is Taylor Swift gonna be in the building? <laughs> <laughs> not, not in that cold. Not, not in that, that cold. cold. Well, she's gonna have some gloves on. Yeah, no, Chief. I'm sure she will. Chief, there is Chiefs to win the game. I do want. I do want to give a, a stat that I should have given out earlier, but it was a little anti CJ Stratt, so maybe I waited until this game to do it. Uh, this is from Stucky. This is from Stucky at the Action Network, and I think this is great. Quarterbacks making their first playoff start versus quarterbacks with uh, any playoff experience are 17, 35, and 1, 32% against the spread. Mm. That affects uh, CJ Stroud versus Flacco. Tua versus Mahomes is again. He was injured when they made their playoff spot last year. Uh, right. Rudolph, Rudolph versus Allen in this game coming up, and Love versus Dak, which we'll get to in a little interesting. bit. Interesting. Very interesting. I like that. Let's go to the game that most people see as the laugher of the weekend: uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Pittsburgh is a ten-point dog, uh, which is of course an interesting spot. Mike Tomlin here. Do you guys uh, actually have to spend time on this? Do you guys actually? Have I, to- I, I this is actually the game I don't really have notes for. Okay, that's fine. Over <laughs> under, over under, thirty five and a half. Very low, and the reason being, it will be twenty degrees. There will be wind gusts. I'm hearing up to fifty miles per hour on Sunday in Buffalo. Fifty miles an hour, and by the way, three inches of snow falling on the ground sideways. So. You may not have a lot of notes in this game, but that right there throws up some big red flags for me. If we were to just get to it. Yeah. How is Pittsburgh's offense going to move the ball in this environment? I mean, you have Mason Rudolph, a third-string quarterback, coming in against a defense that I think, again, has been figuring it out a little bit. They've been playing okay. But if Buffalo just makes Mason Rudolph have to throw outside of the numbers – in this weather, and they load up the box, and they load up the middle of the field, and not make the easy throws to Frymouth. What are they going to do? Like, how do they move the ball? I think, in my estimation, I would say this: I would say they've run the ball a lot better, and the scheme has been a lot better with Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. They probably will do short passing game stuff and get Warren out in the flat. And God, it's been stepping up, man, and I can't believe it. But George Pickens uh, on short intermediate routes, he's been actually quite good. And Mason Rudolph, like it or not, has actually been pretty good over the last three weeks. Now, um, obviously, we know the competition is different, you know, but this is one game, man. And with the snow on the ground and, and the wind going crazy, I've always contested this. Buffalo is not, is not built for this kind of weather. They are not. They have never they been that. now. Are they? Because I, I I know that we're seeing a run game from them, but Pittsburgh, again, this is a different kind of defense that they face, and they have struggled offensively. So, like if you if you look at the turnover worthy plays that Josh Allen has made over the last three weeks, it's not been good. You look at James Cook has been an absolute bright spot. There's no question about that. Gabe Davis is pretty banged up, what I understand as well. Like. I don't want to dismiss Pittsburgh. I know people are very like, there's no way Pittsburgh can score, but the over-under in this game is 35 and a half. So we're saying 
Buffalo covers a 10 spot at 23 to 12. I'm not sure Buffalo is getting to 20 points in this game, the way that their offense has been going and the way Pittsburgh's defense has been playing. So I don't want to just dismiss Pittsburgh and say, oh, they have no chance to win. Au contraire. I think they do. Do you know who's missing from the Pittsburgh defense? Yes. TJ Watt, yes. defensive player of the year. Correct. Man who has 19 sacks year after year after year. The man who Pittsburgh without TJ Watt is one in 10 straight up. Yeah. They are two, four, and one against the spread without TJ Watt. They are second in defensive DBA with TJ Watt. They are 31st in defensive DBOA without Watt. He changes everything. I think that the only – if there's a key to this game, Josh Allen, here's an X factor for you. Hold on to the freaking ball. If he just doesn't turn the damn ball over in this How game. How many times are you going to say that this year? Just How many run times the ball. are you going to say that? Just run the freaking ball in this game. That's all that they have to do. And yeah. it, it's going to be I, – I, again, I, I can't see – I think Mason Rudolph's going to be playing tight. He's going to be – all the pressure is on him coming into that environment and that stadium. The wind, he's not going to be able to communicate well with anybody. I, I don't know. I, I can't see it. I Buffalo, really can't. Buffalo, uh, crazier things have happened. Yeah. Buffalo rush defense, 17th in uh, defensive DVOA, 24th in EPA per rush, 14th in rushing success rate. Um, that's the key. I mean, can Pittsburgh run on Buffalo? That's the whole game. And if they cannot, then the game is over. And Buffalo will run away with this. I just think Buffalo is going to be, I think McDermott is going to be able to play a style of defense to, again, to their number one thing is take away the run and make Mason Rudolph throw, throw the ball and throw outside of the numbers, like, mm-hmm. and, and make him beat them that way. And I, that doesn't seem like a, a recipe success for success. It doesn't seem like it. This is the way Buffalo lost last year. And I'm not comparing him to Joe Burrow. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, don't get me wrong. Cincinnati didn't have a great offensive line last year in the snow in Buffalo either. So I'm just saying, they got punched in the mouth. We'll see. We'll see. I take it you're taking Buffalo minus 10 in this game? Uh, I'm laying that ugly number. Okay. Uh, I am rolling Pittsburgh plus 10. And um, don't be crazy, but if you want to sprinkle money line, I'm not going to I'm not gonna go crazy on you. Stranger things have happened, and with the weather involved, don't be surprised. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to be surprised. Uh, let's go to the next game. Let's go to the NFC side of this. The one Lewis wants to see. Green Bay and Dallas, baby, in Jerry World. The Cowboys are seven-point favorites against the Packers. The Packers that have killed them for years, but Aaron Rodgers is here no more. The over-under is 50-and-a-half, Matt. What do we got? What do we see? So Dallas offense has been arguably the, one of the best all you know year. Not arguably, I was going to say it's either number San Fran, probably the best offense of the year. Um, and they get to go against the very, very atrocious Joe Barry defense. Uh, Dallas at home this year has been the big story. I mean, it's elite. They average 37 and a half points a game at home versus 23, uh, three and a half on the road. They are eight and oh in home games, but they haven't played the toughest opponents in that they've played the jets the patriots the giants the commanders the rams seahawks philly when they were in a free fall and the detroit game which obviously we know how that one ended that was pretty well done 
few weeks ago. Um, I think that some market analysis kind of this line, I think that they should be able to move the ball up and down the field as they please. Dallas's offense is not what I'm worried about here. I think it's up to Green Bay to keep up on their side of the ball. But just some market analysis on this line here, being at seven and a half points, th- there's always a couple extra points going to Dallas. So me and Dan have talked about this, how public of a team they are. You know that the books are always going to leave a couple of points that way because they're so heavily bet public teams. So I think that no matter what you're getting an advantage on this Green Bay line here, um, as far as the offense goes, do you see them having any trouble against this Joe Barry defense? Zero. Absolutely zero. The teams that Green Bay has beaten this year, okay, quarterbacks that they've played well against this year, Justin Fields, Derek Carr, Desmond Ritter, Rippon, Rice Young, Jaron Hall. They did beat Herbert, but the Packers are terrible. I'll give them credit for beating the Mahomes. That was a good win. And Goff on the road. But, man, they didn't even play well against Bryce Young. I mean, it's not it's not good. It's not good. This Packers, this is a very scary spot if you're a Packer fan because you have not beaten a quarterback or an offense like this at all this season. Maybe the lot with the exception of the Lions. I think your one shining hope is, again, I, I – Let's get, off the, let's get off the Packers defense at the side because the shining hope is on the offensive side of the ball. The X factor in this game has got to be Jordan Love uh, of all. I mean, if you're going to go into Dallas, you got to be able to keep up with them scoring points. Jordan Love's season improvement has been drastic. He's been much, much better in his last 10 games. Over the first seven games of the year, he had a 58% completion rate, 213 yards per game, six and a half, six point four 6.4 yards per attempt. Over the last 10, 69% completion rate, 267 yards per game, almost more than 50 yards more, and seven yards per attempt uh, over the last couple of months. He's also had 2.1 touchdowns per game to 0.3 interceptions per game. That's a 21 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio. Um, and his sack rate has gone down. He finished the year at top five in EPA per play amongst quarterbacks. His offensive line is tied for seventh in pass block efficiency since week nine, according to PFF. I think that this Green Bay offense is going to be able to move the ball pretty well. The Dallas defense only dominates when the secondary holds up to let the pass rush cook. Dallas pass rush is eighth in sack rate, 13th in sacks per game, and 16th in pressure rate. Uh, Love excels against man coverage, which Dallas plays the heaviest rate in the league. Uh, Love's pass rate is 13 points higher against man than it is zone. I think that there's a good chance that this kid's going to go into Dallas and start slinging this rock around, Danny. Mm, mm, I would love to see it. I really would. I think it would be fantastic. I love love. Um, more stats on that. Dallas quietly 27th in the league in success rate since week 12, 19th in EPA per play, um, 29th in success rate allowed on dropbacks um, as well. So this is a very interesting thing. Uh, you're right. Packers offense has been elite. I agree with that. To me, if I see the Packers having a chance to win, it is in the first quarter. I will know if the Packers can stay in this game if they are in the first quarter throwing the ball down the field and saying, we are coming after your ass. Beat us. Dan Quinn, find a way to cover our rookie and second-year guys because we don't think you can. That's the way they beat Detroit in Detroit. First game, first play of the game, what was it? Deep shot, Christian Watson, bang, 65 yards. Went right down the field on him. Holy crap, we're down 7 nothing. 
If Green Bay comes into this game and punches them in the mouth, game on. But if Green Bay comes into this game conservative, running the football, trying to milk the clock, trying not to lose, not going to happen to me because their defense is not going to make stops. I'm sorry. They just won't. Like, they're going to have to win this game high scoring. This is going to have to be a really high scoring game for them to win it. Can they? The one thing that Dallas does do is they turn the ball. That's the one the good thing about their secondary. But I agree with you. I think that Green Bay can move the ball down the field. Uh, Green Bay also third in the league in points per game on the road. And and road games this year, they were four and five. All five losses were let by uh, four points or less. Mm. Four points or less in all five losses on the road. And, and, other, and then there's a trend for this game. Wild card or divisional round, single-digit road underdogs are 46-16-1, 74% against the spread since 2003, covering by 4.3 points per game. That will be right into my play. I am taking the Packers, plus 7.5, mm-hmm. and, and this is certainly, certainly a spread line, as really? we can see. Oh, oh no, the Cowboys getting bounced in a playoff game they should win? Never heard of that before. <laughs> I don't disagree with you, but I think it's a. I think we're early. I think we're early on on Dallas. I know they're the public side. They're going to be the public side either way. Um, but I think we're a little early on Dallas being bounced and this, that, and the other. And, you know, I I just again, like I said, these games always come down to the fourth quarter. And if Green Bay's down seven in the fourth quarter, how long can they hold? How long can they go without getting their spirit broke? I'll play the public side. Uh, I'll take Dallas even at minus seven. Feel better at it minus seven. It was seven and a half. Now it's come down. It's started at seven. Now it's been back back up to seven and a half. Now back down. So I'll take Dallas minus seven um, to push and 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 maybe get over the hump because they didn't do it against Detroit. I know they didn't do that, but I think their offense will play a lot better in this game. I, I really will. I think Dallas will 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 get out of this funk or whatever they do because this is a bad defense. This defense is not good. Well, all right, head to head here, Dan. Back to back games, or we're head to head. Another one, another one. I don't like that, uh, especially well, since we read the head to head record earlier. <laughs> well, this is the best game of the weekend. Yeah, hundred percent. Sunday night, it deserves Sunday night football. It's the one that we are alluding to, leading on to it. You, you, you lead me in. You tell me the storyline behind this. What happened between these two teams? Uh, what happened between these two teams is these two teams franchises were changed forever by a trade that made that was made just a few wee years ago when Les Snead called up Brad Holmes and said, I'd like your quarterback, please, and I think we can win with him. And guess what? You can have our quarterback. And let's just swamp. We'll never see each other in the playoffs. Lo and behold, three years later, two years later, rather, Matt Stafford is back in the house that Stafford built, going in, See, it even says half of his name on the field, staff forward field. Um, Going into Detroit against Jared Goff, who, mind you, both of these guys have started Super Bowls for the same exact team. Detroit is trying to win a playoff game for the first time since, what, 1993? This is their first playoff game in a very long time for Detroit. The Rams have come out of age. You know I've liked the Rams a lot, but the whole story is Matt Stafford and Jared Goff going up against each other, having been traded for two years prior. Matt, the Rams are three-point dogs on the road. The over-under is 51 and a half. And as I said to you before, take 
I'm just going to give my little prop play. Take the over two and a half players throwing a pass in this game because Dan Campbell's just throwing the kitchen sink in this game. I I think like the aggressiveness, Dan Campbell's going to have to get himself to another level, which maybe no human has ever seen before in this <laughs> planet for a playoff game in Detroit. I, I, he's just going to have a conniption on the sidelines. I don't know what he's going to do. I, I'm really scared of what Dan Campbell could do in this game. But let's start with the Rams on offense and what Dan Campbell's going to do to stop this high-flying, air-it-out, Matt Stafford, cannon-arm-led offense. Both these teams, by the way, are top seven in yards per game on offense this year. Top-scoring teams. That's why we have a total of 51.5 on an indoor fast track in Detroit. Uh, but the Rams – uh, the Rams are averaging seven and a half yards per attempt on the year, 8.8 yards per attempt over the last three games. Kyron Williams is rushing the ball at an elite level this year. He's over five yards per carry on 228 attempts. The team season long average is 4.2. So he himself is better than what they've been doing as a unit. And the Lions are allowing 23.2 points per game to the opponent. I don't know how their secondary is going to be able to hold up here in this one. No idea. Their outside corners are very bad. They're inside. They're, they have Brian Branch back, uh, Brian Branch there, and they got CJ Gardner Johnson back. So they can contain the middle of the field a little bit better. But they're outside where you're going to have Reynolds and these speedsters. Obviously, they lose Raymond. I believe Raymond goes down last week, but Amon Ross and Brown, who does play in the slot, can play outside. Absolutely. Um, I think they're going to have a hard time keeping up with that. The Lions are also top three in the NFL in yards per rush attempt allowed 3.7 to other teams. Um, it's the third lowest rate in the NFL. So I do think they'll have some success there, but Kyron Williams has been, has been a beast. He's really kind of breaking through. So I'm very interested to see if the, if the um, Rams are able to run the ball successfully. I think they will be able to throw, but will they be able to move the chains, not get behind the sticks as far as in those first and second downs that they need to be able to run the ball. Um, the line will have to get pressure, pressure on staff in this game. Uh, and they have to do it without blitz because he's so good against the blitz. They do have a league high 28.2 pressure rate and only blitzing 28% of the time total. I, I think that Stafford's going to be, have no problem here. The key in this game, the X factor here, keep Stafford up right because the Rams offensive line, we've said it all year. That is that, that is their biggest weakness as a team is their Rams offensive line. If they can give him time to get the ball to Nakua and Cooper cup, and Higby and Demarcus Robinson and all these guys that he's got, I think he'll be able to do it because it doesn't matter how good the pass defense is. Stafford has taken on top ten passing defenses plenty this year and lit them up, if you will. Uh, number one, uh, number one passing defense, Cleveland, allowing 164, 164 passing yards a game to opponents. Stafford went twenty two at thirty seven, two hundred seventy nine yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. Baltimore, number six against passing teams. Uh, he went for 23 of 41, 294 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. New Orleans, number 10 to passing offenses. He went 24 of 34, 328, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And Dallas, where he played half a game and he got knocked out, he still went 13 to 22 for 160 yards, was thrown for over seven for attempts. I don't know if anything can stop him throwing the ball. If they are a weak passing defense, as they are, I mean, he's dicing up the good ones. How do the Rams, how do, how do the Lions stop Stafford? I think they stop him by by stopping the run game in the early downs. They have to get him in second and long. They have to get him in third and long situations. I know their secondary is not great. 
Um, but I do think that the whole game run, revolves around their rush defense. You mentioned it. Kyron Williams, 12 games he played. He had 1,000 yards rushing. He was one of the best running backs in football this season. And you mentioned it as well. Number one ranked run defense DVOA is the Detroit Lions. That's what they have to rely on. I don't. I, I imagine. I think Aline McNeil is back in the lineup now yes. for the Lions. So that's a big, big get. Hutchinson, 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 Hutchinson. That dude needs to have a game. He really does. This has to be like a citywide APB on on Aiden Hutchinson. And he has to answer the call because if they can get him in second and longs and not give up the three, four yards to carry on the first down run that they like to do, because that's what makes the Rams effective, right? They're going to soften you up, and then they're going to smack you around. You know, that's what they do. They just they just go body, 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 body. Bang, I hit the uppercut. That's what they like to do. They're going to go up top. I think the quick passing game for the Rams is going to be a problem for the Lions. But that's my opinion. I think the Lions in short early downs have to be successful against the run. Talk about the other side. These offenses might not be so dissimilar. Uh, the Rams on defense are not great as well. They're allowing 22.2 opponents points per game. Again, compared to the Lions, I believe it's a 24 or something around there. Um, we've got, what does McVay have in store for golf? What is McVay talking to Raheem Morris about that? He knows every good thing about Jared Goff. He knows every bad thing about Jared Goff. And my key for the Rams is stop the run. You got to take the run away from golf. Cause I think that's how he gets going as well. That's where mm. he's his best when he can get the run going and they can get to play action passes. Then he can take those deep shots over the top. I think it's the same game plan for both defensive coordinators. They know that they have to make, they have to put the quarterbacks in their most uncomfortable positions that they can be. And this Rams rush defense, I originally was like, there's no way I just, before I kind of dug into the numbers, I was looking, I'm like, they're really not that good at stopping the run, but they've gotten so much better since their bye week of week 10. The first nine weeks, they're allowing 122 yards per game of the ground, 4.2 an attempt. Their last seven, excluding week 18, where we rested a lot of players, especially Aaron Donald. They're only allowing 68.7 yards per game. We round that up to 69. Nice. And uh, 3.3 yards per carry. Much better. So you got both defensive coordinators. We want, we want to do the same thing. We want to get this quarterback behind the sticks. We want to make them throw on third down. Stafford is much better than Jared Goff at throwing on mm -hmm. third down. So if both defensive coordinators can execute their plan as they see fit, I think that eventually leads to – Who's got the better quarterback? That's Matt Stafford. He's coming to Detroit, and he's just ripping hearts out once again. Give me the give me the Rams plus three in this one. Give me the Rams Ooh. money money line in this one. Ooh, I like it. I like it. There's got to be an X factor because what you're telling me is both teams are preparing the same way. They're they're they're, they're trying to execute the same thing. So which coach is going to break tendency, right? And does that tendency lead to success? That's the key, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we really got to think. You would think that Sean McVay would be the one to do that and break tendency. But I actually think Sean McVay will stick to his guns more than anything because he knows what works. He knows the the, uh, the execution. And I think Campbell's the one that will be more risk-averse in this game. I will say this. Uh, Abundo from the Action Network gave out this stat as well on this. Watch out for the special teams of the Rams. That could be their yeah. downfall. The Rams special teams it is one of the worst in football, um, actually. So if you look at the Rams, 
on punting kickoff coverages, they almost lost the game. Uh, or they did lose them a game against Baltimore, almost lost them a game against the Giants. The kicking game, they do not have a very good kicker. I don't know if it's Mason Crosby. I think it might be for this game. Uh, they've been one of the worst. They've been one of the worst special teams units in football. So, and if I could find the number up here with the field goal for field goal percentages, I will. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a very kind of scary. Yeah, they're 30th in the league in field goal percentage made 74%. Is that scary enough? I mean, points are at a premium. You know, they're going to have to score touchdowns. I don't think these defenses are at, a, this, are at an advantage or not. To me, this is last score wins in this game. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over Ooh. 51 and a half. Yep, that's what I like. I could not pick a winner in this game. I just, the Rams, I get it. Like, everybody seems to be liking the Rams for the upset. And that makes me, I, and I do too, but that makes me almost want to take the Lions. So I'm going to take the over because I really don't think that either defense is stopping either offense. Yeah, I am writing. I am writing the Rams. Like I said, I, again, plus three is an okay number. Uh, there was three and a half out all week. Actually, there was a, there was a, an early one I got, I got plus four early in the week, which was just gangbusters. So having that locked in is great, but another play for, if it is at three, not three and a half, I like Puka, Puka Nakua's over on his reception. Mm. I know that might, that might also sound very chalky over 60, uh, 76 and a half receiving yards. He is their best receiver against man coverage. Uh, and Detroit, I think is going to be leaning more that way with their guys on the back end getting healthy with, uh, like said, CJ Garner Johnson coming back in. I think they play a lot more man, Every other receiver's numbers take a dip uh, playing man versus zone. Pukunuku is right on the same as far as yards per route run. He is exactly the same man versus zone. And we know Stafford, when he finds his guy, he's got his guy. He's going to him in every crucial spot. And if over the past couple of weeks, haven't told you that, Nakua has totally replaced Cup as his guy. Like, that's his guy now. So I, I think that he's going to get all the opportunities in the game. I love it. I love it. So official picks the Rams then. Yeah, we'll take the Rams. You give me three and a half. You're not taking it. You're not taking the other side. Give me three and a half. No, no, you take you get three and a half. I'll take the over fifty one and a half, but really over two and a half on players that throw a pass. That's really what it is. Those are our special props for that. I promise you, especially that special team stat. You know Dan Campbell's running a fake punt somewhere. You know it terrifies me. It terrifies me. It definitely does. Let's go to the last game. Monday night. Tampa hosting Philadelphia. This is gross. This is a really gross game. The line is now at three. Tampa plus three at home, over under 43 and a half. The Eagles are reeling. The Bucks are like basically an infirmary with their quarter. Both these quarterbacks are hurt. The Bucks barely got by Carolina last week. What do we see here, Matt? Man, what, what are we doing? Okay. I want to set this side of the ball because this is the most confusing matchup. Of the week. Tampa Bay's offense versus Philadelphia's defense. No Just confusion all over the place. There's an insane amount of variance in this game, and it's mostly from this side of the ball. So the Eagles' defense is a mess. Slay and Bradbury, the corners, have had a bad season compared to last year. The middle of the field is wide open for anybody playing them. Anybody can do anything over the middle of the field against the, uh, the, the Eagles right now. The defense, the run defense of the Eagles, has gone from good to okay. And then Matt Patricia is calling the plays, and he's a wild card. He's not an X Factor. He's a wild card in this one with Matt Patricia, who's having things like their best pass rusher, Hassan Reddick, like dropping into coverage a couple of weeks ago against Dallas and not rushing on plays and getting lit up. The Bucs 
are struggling at offense. They did score a touchdown versus the damn Carolina Panthers last week. They didn't score against the Saints until they were down two points in like late in the fourth quarter. They have no rushing offense. Rashad White is a battering ram that averages 3.6 yards per carry that they just run into the middle sometimes. Baker is nursing a rib and an ankle injury. All that, and their best player has been taken away from them by defenses in recent weeks. And I don't know if it's partly because of Baker's health or just because defenses are realizing that Mike Evans is the only guy moving the ball downfield for this team. In games that he's played at least 70% of snaps, uh, the first, I believe, nine games it was this season. I didn't write that down. The early part of the season, he was averaging nine targets a game, 5.25 receptions a game, 92 yards a game, and he had nine touchdowns. Oh, it was 11 of their first 12. He left halfway through one. He was averaging, sorry, not nine touchdowns. He was averaging 0.9 touchdowns a game. He was nearly averaging a touchdown a game for the first 11 games mm. of the year. Over the last five, he's down two and a half targets a game to 6.6. He's down about two catches a game to 3.6. He's down more than 40 yards a game at 48 yards and 0.6 touchdowns per game. And in those last five games were against Atlanta, Green Bay, Jacksonville, New Orleans, and Carolina. So not world beaters at all on the passing defense side. So I, I don't know if it's Baker's injury that's making that happen or defense are saying we're going to take this guy away and beat us with anybody else they're not playing godwin in the slot where he's most effective and he's not very good where the hell are we going here Dan? dude i mean with with tampa's here's another quandary for you with tampa's offense versus philly's defense on sets of downs that reach third down tampa bay reaches third down 52 percent of the time only teams worse than that are the Panthers and the Giants. However, the Philadelphia Eagles are 31st third down defense, giving up 46%. Only team worse, Arizona Cardinals. I have no idea. I have no idea what is going to transpire when the Bucks have the ball. No clue. I don't I and to me, like, you know, I look at the other side of the ball. And I feel like I have a clue on what is going to happen there. What do you, What do you think? Go ahead. Give me uh, I, th- I think I think Tampa's going to blitz them. I just yeah. uh, flat out. Yeah. I look at the numbers. This is Warren Sharp put, put this out here. Um, when Jalen Hurts is not blitzed, he is number six in EPA per attempt. He's number thirteen in completion percentage. He's number two in third down conversion. When he is blitzed, twenty seventh in EPA per attempt. Twenty fifth in completion percentage. And 19%, number 19 in third down conversion. Uh, the Bucks blitz Jalen Hurts on 58% of his drop backs in week three. I have no reason to believe they won't do that again, especially because he's injured and struggling and has the finger issue as well. That's the whole game for me. I think, I think it, unless the Eagles can find a way to run the football effectively and get this, not turn the ball over. That's the, that's the number one thing. I mean, they, they have to. This has been the worst part of the whole thing. To turn the ball over, 19% of their possessions have resulted in a turnover in the last six games. That is horrendous. That's insane. Absolutely horrendous. So, to me, the only thing the Eagles have to do is hang on to the football because they know what they're seeing. They're seeing blitz all night. That's the problem. I think the only way they're going to be able to move the ball is they're going to have to throw it because this Bucks run defense is is the strength of their team. It's the strength of their unit. And so 
with no AJ Brown, who I, I they they haven't ruled him out yet. They don't they're not giving a lot of information on what his knee injury is, but he hasn't practiced as of Thursday. So I I he went the way he went down in the heat last week. I don't think I'm expecting him to play. Uh, Smith and Swift have both had back at practice, but with the middle finger on the throwing hand, like you said, for Hertz, they I think they have to throw the ball, but then it just opens up the turnover potential so much more in the blitzes and and man. I think this is exactly like the, the week three game, as you said, where it was a slog. I mean, it was it was a brutal game. The Bucks had every chance to win that game if if, if Baker was Mike Evans horrible. doesn't Mike Evans doesn't drop a thousand passes in that game. I, I said Baker was horrible. Mike Evans dropped a ton of passes. So I think you're going to see a less than 100 Baker here again, and the defense should be able to execute on an Eagles offense that I think has gotten much worse. This is this is ugly. I think I, I have a good guess. I think where you're going to pick in this game. To me, the number one thing that will kill a team, if you are, even if you don't have talent, and the Bucs are not as talented as Philadelphia, but the Eagles are a cancer of a locker room. And I don't care what you say. What they did last week was embarrassing. They have absolutely no fight in them. I don't see any reason why they have any fight. I don't even know why they're favored in this game. I have no clue. Why should they? Because they have more talent. The worst thing about them is that they have no leadership. And when you have that, it's not going to be fun when you're firing champions. Give me the bucks plus three, giving me on the money line. Yeah, I'll say, I'm, I'm definitely going to say a, a little bucks, a little bucks money line for sure, plus 130. Love that. And then I was really hoping to look for, I I, I want to find a, a Goddard over, um, but those aren't out yet because of all the, the they're waiting to see if AJ Brown's going to play that distributes, you know, it's going to change all the numbers and, and, and Jalen Hurts' health. But just keep an eye out for if Goddard's receptions come out, if anything under six and a half, I like go over six and a half. He's gone over, gone over that number. It's in half of his games. It's your seven to 14 games that he's played. He's gone over that six and a half total. So I really like that. And if the receipt, the receiving yards are below 45, he's only gone over that in five games this year, but I think obviously it, it might get posted a little higher if AJ Brown is out. So I'm keeping an eye on those, but my official play for now will be Rashad White under 64 and a half rushing mm. yards. I think if there is one part of the Eagles defense that is going to be able to bow up and play a little better and get back to what they need to do, it, it, what they're so capable of, they have all of the players there. They just were not putting in the effort as much anymore. I think the Eagles rush defense can step up in a big way in this game and make Baker have to throw the ball, especially as an injured quarterback. So um, I will take Rashad White. Again, the worst yards per carry in the league under 64 and a half. Well, let's factor in one more thing. This game will be played most likely in a rainstorm. So Mm. that maybe doesn't help the Eagles in terms of turnover luck. And it also probably doesn't help the Bucs in terms of throwing the football down the field. So conundrums afoot in this game. It is going to be nutty. But who's the best? Who's the best unit on the field? I think it's the Bucs defense. I just think it is. It might be. I think it is. And they're getting healthier. They got David back. They got Dean back. They got White back. They're getting healthier. Like, yeah, they're not scoring, but they're not giving up points either. You know, Saints game was was the one game, but they didn't give up that much. You know, their offense really screwed it up for them. So I like that. Yeah, that's what I like. Uh, let's just do quickly. We'll go specials here. I'm doing under the weather. I'm going right to Kansas City. That that Buffalo game is too low at 35 and a half. So I'm going to go the Kansas City Miami game minus eight degrees with a wind chill of minus 30 and 10 to 20 mile an hour winds in that game. The over under 43 and a half. 
Dolphins don't swim well in ice, do they? I'll take the under in Chiefs and Miami, under 43 and a half. Maddie, I don't want to put you on the spot. I wasn't going to give you a money line parlay, but you know what? It's 2024. Why not make some magic? I got one better Ooh. for you. Not going to go with a money sure. line parlay, but we got something nice and juicy. We got a, we got a touchdown score Ooh. parlay. We got a three-way touchdown Ooh. score parlay here. All right. Uh, so let's go chronological order here. Saturday night, Isaiah Pacheco, minus uh-huh. 120. Start off with him. Jaden Reed, plus 165 for the Packers. And Puka Nakua, plus 115 for the Rams. That'll get you plus 944 on a parlay. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that one, Lewis? He said Puka Nakua, 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 Yeah, no, I like that. I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, You're you know, welcome. That's why you asked me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, okay. All right. Who was it for the Packers? Who? Jaden Reed. Who? He basically is not used until they get into the red zone, and he catches everything. It's insane. Everything. Who, who Good player. What's his name? Young kid yeah, out of Michigan down. State. Excellent. Jaden yeah. Reed, Isaiah Pacheco, Puka Nakua is the magic parlay prop. prop parlay. Magic touchdown parlay. Magic touchdown prop parlay. That's what I'll say. Uh, Lewis, you've heard all these rumors. You've heard all these games. What is the narrative for Wild Card Weekend? Well, well, as much as I want to pick every game, but Dan won't let me. Uh... I'm not, this is this who? Who? fire him <laughs> off. You no, no, it's all, no, no, it's all right. No, it's okay. No, I won't. I won't do it. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Um, I will say as a narrative, uh, Jalen Hurts is going to get tush pushed all the way to see San Francisco mm. in week two of the playoffs because it's a rematch. And then Matty Stafford's just going to beat the brakes off Detroit. I hope so, man. I hope so. Yeah, I think that's it, man. I think that's – I'm looking at other games here, and it's – I'm not going to take the, the Cowgirls because that's just silly. Um, right with our guy, our boy. CJ Stroud. No, I can't because Joe Flacco's on the other side and they're playing Baltimore next week. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, the Bills should beat the ever-living out of the Steelers. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Some um, live editing. Yeah, some live editing. So I don't have to do it later. Um, yeah, and if Taylor Swift, if Taylor Swift is in the building. Uh, what do they say in South Park? I can't. I I don't want to swear. I don't want to swear. That's okay. Yeah. Screw you, Dolphin. Screw yeah. you, Dolphin. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, no. But the bet the narrative this week is definitely Matt Stafford beats the brakes off Detroit. Okay. Line. That'll be it. Let it be known. Let it be known. Matt Stafford going back to his home. The Stafford Field. Beat him up. Mm-hmm. He's got a better team. He's, it, they're just – the Rams are hot. They're just a better team. He's got Puka. Oh, Puka yeah. pop, 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 pop. He's got Cooper Cup. It, it, yeah. Kyron Williams is a fantastic – he's the best runner in the game. Uh, yeah. So, 
I'd say I've been saying it for weeks. The Rams are the only team that can go into San Francisco and win. It's my. It's opinion. incredible. It is really. Oh, wow. we didn't even mention they're missing Sam Laporta for the Lions, which is going to be a big that. deal. Going to be a huge deal. Oh, huge. That's true. Deal. He's out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's their sure. number. Their number two receiver on third downs behind Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay. I love it. Matt, run down your picks real quick for us so we can get out of here. Oh, God. I'm going back. Uh, so, <laughs> for first game, I, I have 12 pages of notes for the show, as you can tell. Bless. Uh, so, we've got the over 44.5 in Houston and Cleveland. We have – what was my Miami pick? Miami uh, was Pacheco rushing receiving yards over 88.5. We're laying 10 with Buffalo uh, against Pittsburgh. Green Bay plus 7 against Dallas just because Dan took Dallas and DMB seven and a half, but plus seven. Uh, give me the Rams plus three and a half and Puka Nakua over 76 and a half receiving yards. And give me Rashad White under 64 and a half rushing yards. I am taking the Houston Texans plus two in this game. I like them a lot. CJ Stroud, KC minus four and a half in the c- c- cold against the Dolphins, who can't swim in ice. We'll take Pittsburgh plus 10. Surprise money line. Surprise money line at Buffalo. Nobody knows how it's coming, but I do. Uh, Dallas minus 7 at home against Green Bay. Don't think they can hang. The over 51.5 in Detroit and the Rams should be a good one. Tampa Bay plus 3. Tampa Bay money line at home against the Eagles. My under the weather, Miami at Kansas City, under 43.5 in the cold. The touchdown prop parlay is Okunakua, Isaiah Pacheco, Jade Reed. You heard it here first. The bet the narrative. The Rams. Yes. Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford. What what's does anybody have his touchdown numbers? Is it over one and a half? Just take it. Probably. It's probably, probably, two, two, and it's probably two and a half with a total of fifty one. Money line or spread, Lou? Both. Oh, the Rams are going to win. Yeah, Rams are going to win. Yeah. Outright. Yeah. Okay. Love it. All right, that's it. We'll see you next week, Matt. Divisional round. Best we Where are we going this year? Going to take a trip out to Baltimore. You want to come down? That's right. Yeah, we got to. We got to plan our, our annual trip. Want to come <laughs> down to Baltimore? That sounds come down fun. to Baltimore. Sounds hey, like- you know what? If Joe Flacco's going to town, that's the game. That is the game of the week. I think, I think we got to go, right? Got to go. I'll drive. I'll drive. Let me know. Okay. <laughs> Three hours for me. I love it. Oh, easy. All right. Easy try. Easy try. For Matty Ice, Matty Cement, Silver, and for our team producer, Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracone, I am Dan Zampano. Catch us on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, Sports Country Radio, the whole nine yards. We're posting on X on Saturday morning. We're posting on X again on Sunday morning because it's football weekend. It's super wild Sunday card weekend. And we'll see you next week for Divisional. Thank you for listening to the Sunday card. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silbreth, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, 
and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season at the Sunday Card. And remember, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.